Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Zach and Vince. We are embarking on a brave new world, a new journey, a journey through the DC crossovers of the last, or events, I guess, of the last uh, 35 or so years. Boys, you ready to take this plunge? <laughs> I'm ready to become legend. <laughs> to be uh, sung about in cathedrals. I was just going to say, I was going to read that, so good for you. <laughs> I'm so, going to become the Joker. <laughs> oh. I'm going to become the Joker who laughs. I mean, the Batman who laughs, rather. Uh, like our good friend Walter Richardson. So, um, let's talk about Legends. Vince, before we start, had you read Legends before? I had read Legends before, yes. You knew. You know this. I'm just for the listener. I know, I know, I know. I know. Zach, yeah. have you read Legends before? Never. Okay, I have read Legends. This is my uh, third time reading Legends. Uh, but my first time reading Legends with all Once, of... Once, twice, three times the Legend. The Legend, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's the first time I've read the entire event like with crossovers, uh, with uh, tie-ins and all that. I just read the event itself the first two times. Um, so we should get into this. This is written, uh, it's, I guess, plotted by John Ostrander, scripted by Len Wein, illustrated by John Byrne. So let's just give an overall thought before we get into some sort of basics. Um, I figure this is an excellent time to bring back our old pull pirate or pulp scale uh, at the beginning of, an, of each episode, just talking about how we feel about the comic overall. So Vince, pull pirate or pulp legends? Oh, pull. Zach, pull pirate or pulp legends? I'm like, I'm really torn, but I almost think I would say pull. I would say you pull Legends. I, I really enjoy this crossover, guys. I I can't say I enjoyed it, but I <laughs> I liked it. I didn't, I, it's so weird. I have so many conflicting feelings. There is a lot of weird to get into. So uh, let's just, I guess, do the baseline here. So, Zach, you read... The miniseries, as well as the Cosmic Boy miniseries, correct? Correct. Vince, you read everything? I read everything, yeah. I also read everything. And I think that my greater enjoyment reading it this time has a lot to do with reading everything. So I, I would be I would be very interested, Zach, if, if you eventually... And I know that it's this is not a Cosmic Marvel book, nor a... Uh, an X-Men book, so you won't be doing this, but uh, if you ever revisit this, my... <laughs> um, I would be interested to see if you felt differently having read, you know, the bulk of the event. Well, I, I mean, I already didn't hate it. Most of the things that I'm going to talk about not feeling weird about this book are like structural things. Okay. Less so than like plot things. Okay. So, um, Let's let's get into just sort of the the overall plot. Vince, you want to give us a like a couple of sentence description of what this is about? Uh yes, this is about uh Darkseid um sending forth uh multiple uh machinations on a variety of fronts uh that he calls Operation Humiliation, which is fantastic. <laughs> I yep. love that. <laughs> He calls it Operation Humiliation, and it's designed to take the legends of the DC uh, universe uh, superheroes. They, they're very legends and shake them to the core to get the people of Earth to turn against them and no longer see them as heroes, to literally weaken their legends. And then this is coming right off of Crisis, of Infinite Earth, Crisis on Infinite Earths, basically. So keeping that in mind. This was like the first major event after that. Great legends like Blockbuster and, and Warlord of Skartaris. <laughs> <laughs> now, nah, wait a minute. The Warlord stuff, there is an explanation for why they do that. Zach, if you'd have read the tie-ins. I, I understand, but I, 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 when I think of legends of the DC universe, my, my first thoughts are not warlord of scartaris well offline you were talking about how uh superman uh sides with ronald reagan and if that doesn't shake his legend to its core yeah, he I don't did know what he then. did he shook him he, yeah. he got shook the exactly. only character what greater hero than 
There's uh, just a part in the book where specifically it, he Dark Side said, and now Blockbuster, the second legend, has fallen, and I was yeah. like, okay. And Zach, do you see any blockbusters out there operating anymore? They're gone. No. They're gone. Dark Side, Annihilation Wave, what wrong, oh, wrong company? Uh, what's his <laughs> called? Omega Beam. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I, this is a tiny point. I do love that in the 80s, they couldn't decide if they wanted to call it a Stargate or a... Uh, is it Stargate or Star... Tube. Or Star... Yeah. Something else? Or Boom Tube, yeah. Um, yeah, that is funny. The, the Star thing was definitely part of the... I guess it's the fifth or sixth season of Super Friends. It became the Superpowers Hour. And Darkseid was the villain of that. Mm. Uh, you get a lot of Kirby Gabagool in there. Oh, um, yeah. So um, a couple of things I want to talk about. First of all, the, although Darkseid is the main villain here, the person we spend the most time with in the in the series is uh, Glorious Godfrey, a.k.a. G. Gordon Godfrey, who poses as basically a... Uh, He's not quite a televangelist. He's, he's not. Yeah, he is baby Billy Freeman. <laughs> he's, he's baby. <laughs> it's funny because he does say in one scene, hey, "Do you want to suck an old man's dick?" So... <laughs> 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 no, who wants to suck an old man's dick? Sorry, I got the quote wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, but you know, but he he's basically like a, a rabble rouser um, in the DC. In, in the world of DC, convincing people they are wrong about superheroes, that, you know, superheroes are a menace, and lots of people seem to believe him. And I prefer when they're not kidnapped. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that, first of all, I, this event feels very ahead of its time in one way. I feel like this is the type of a existential threat to the DC universe that Grant Morrison would have written. Like, it's not about destroying heroes. It's about destroying the concept of heroes. Like that's mm -hmm. a very Morrisonian idea. You Well, you go with Morrison. You want to know what my hot take was? What's that? This is a Bendis event. Hmm. Sell me on this that. Is, this is Leviathan? This is like... This is like... This is like mid two thousands Bendis. Okay, I guess that's not totally fair because I always associate Civil War with Bendis, even though I know that that was Mark Millar. But like Bendis took so much of that stuff into his Avengers run, and then like proceeded to do so much like hand wringing about like superheroes and government with like Dark Reign and Secret Invasion and all that stuff. Um, I feel like that is like such a definitive aspect of the mid two thousand superhero stuff. This feels like a mid two thousand superhero event. Oh, it's way better than any of them, though. But it, it it's like the proto version of that, you know? Sure. It's 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 not heroes versus heroes. It's like heroes versus society. Mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. Which I feel like you know, identity crisis is a bit of that. Um, this, but, but also the structure of it feels it kind of been to see to me just with, there's a lot of, you know, talking heads. There's like some Frank Miller aspects with the newscast angle, like heavy usage of news as a storytelling device. It, it cribs from a lot of things. Yeah. Um, well, it comes uh, from a lot of things that come after it, also. Well, the, yeah, that's uh, so, so not really, that's not cribbing. That's like setting up. But right. like this would be like this would have been around that time that you know Miller would have been doing Dark Knight Returns or had probably had done Dark Knight Returns at this point. Watchmen had come out. Um, this feels like mm. very responsive to that. Yeah. Or was coming out. This is '86. Yeah, it's. Yeah, they're contemporaries. I was going to say, sure. this is all happening contemporaneously, yeah. Sure, sure. Um, and so, like, just thinking about how different this is to Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's almost incomprehensible. There's no line. There's no line. 
between the two. Oh. You know? No, I mean, this is very this is very much post-crisis. It's very much a... I, mean, I just the, mean the in like crisis... terms of tone and uh, and style of the event. Yeah. It's, it's night and day. I mean, Crisis was this mega scope, multiversal, epic saga, whereas this is like a very small contained thing and and much more um philosophical Mm -hmm. right it's it's the perfect event to follow up crisis with because you can't you can't just do crisis again you know oh i've tried (laughs) well not that not that soon though you know um well i i actually i think that there's a universe where they could have you know, I, I feel like that temptation maybe would have been there. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, well, one thing I know for sure is that the tie-ins mostly work a lot better than the crisis tie-ins as far as like how a, a comics reader would probably want a tie-in to function. Yes. I think. I actually one of the notes I have written was that this is, I think, in a lot of ways, the platonic ideal of an event in Mm -hmm. how the tie ins work. So, Zach, just because you didn't read a lot of tie ins. It's really interesting. Yeah. Well, I did want to say it is really interesting how they are labeled with chapter numbers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I don't think Crisis did that. No, no, I don't believe so. What's really effective about the the tie-ins is that they're all telling stories that somewhat affect the overall, but none of them are essential, but none of them feel so small that you think, why did I read this? I would say that the, the two that feel that way, maybe three-ish, I would say that the Blue Beetle one one mm-hmm. that doesn't have a ton to do with the overall story which i got the gist of he just did some stuff with chronos <laughs> yes exactly yeah. um yep. i would say the warlord stuff although desaad is a big part of that i don't know how much of that affects the overall story either yeah it doesn't but you know what i will say about the warlord thing uh the the various different series that got sucked into this they all some of their ties to the direct events in legends are stronger than others but they all show you a different side of dark side's multi-level plan for destroying legends so yes. like yes uh travis morgan's story may be almost completely in isolation from any of this other stuff that's going on but desaad does it is it is proving something that Darkseid and Desaad are having a conversation about, whereas where it's like, well, what about all these DC legends that don't, that aren't occurring right here on Earth? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and that gives them an excuse to go and do that. So so it is less intimately tied to the overall event, but that's a be- there's a better reason. Excuse me, there's a better reason for that uh, tie-in to occur than something like in Crisis where. There were certain issues where uh, the characters just look at the sky for three panels and it turns red, and that's <laughs> right, it. Yes, you know, yes. yes. It's not so that. egregious that it doesn't seem like it's connected at all. You know. And then what I'll say is, surprisingly, I think the Cosmic Boy stuff is not all that importantly tied in either. It's it's really not. Um, it's its own side thing with recaps of what's going on in the main series. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's That's kind of a weird exercise because you don't really see that. When, when do you see in modern comics, a mini series that actually feels like it's a part of the, the current status quo. Whereas cosmic boy is determined to tell you that it's part of the current status quo, even if nothing that happens in it really has much to do with it. It, but it runs those news broadcasts through every issue. Yep. Yeah. Um, but but the Cosmic Boy 
as a four issue miniseries, I think it's really good. I do. I do too. Um, yeah, it's it's a fun, it's a pretty fun miniseries. I had some weird feelings about uh, Night Girl's origins and <laughs> her her father who enabled enabled her to have have superpowers so she could run off and try to seduce a boy and get on yep. a superhero team. That was uh-huh. a little weird, but <laughs> it was very much like a stage mom, a dance yeah. mom type situation, but with yeah. the stakes infinitely higher. <laughs> yeah. Which that would, that <laughs> talking about the stakes getting higher, that, that the story starts off very small. And by the end of it, it's like so high concept. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. I'll also say the the Cosmic Boy stuff is the only place where it seems like it's a direct answer to Crisis, mm-hmm. where there are th- there are problems with the timeline from the from the Legion, and some of that is being caused by by Darkseid and all this, but some of that is likely Crisis related as well, and mm-hmm. so it, it's the it's the only place where you feel like okay, there's this was done in part to let readers know that certain things are still there and certain things are not there anymore in terms of the timeline. Yeah, yeah. well, they had they had to explain why, uh, you know, why why we haven't gone to space and why we're dropping bombs on everybody. <laughs> yeah, that was a crisis. Good... Did that? Yeah. Yeah. Crisis. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, it's just like how Barry did nine eleven. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing. Um, yeah, Barry did nine eleven, and uh, Crisis caused Hiroshima. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's uh, so it's interesting that you brought that up, Ryan, because this is something that we'll return to when we cover Zero Hour. Yes, which which deal Zero Hour is dealing with the fact that there's all these anomalies in the post crisis DC that they're trying to take care of, and we'll see the time trapper again so yeah which this this did make me want to get back on my on on my legion kick because it seems like there's definitely a through line or it could be a through line from this cosmic boy story to to some stuff we see in zero hour mm. yeah so uh zach you mentioned before the sort of tie-ins that you'd want to go back to possibly uh the first one let's talk about is the superman tie-ins so Superman tie-ins are basically a three-issue miniseries that takes place on Apocalypse. And Vince, why don't you talk about that, 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 those three issues for a minute? Ah, we're jumping way ahead here. Um... Or, 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 I figure this book, there's not, that's one thing about this, this story, though. There's not that much that happens. Like, almost every issue has Billy Batson telling the story of why he can no longer be Captain every, Marvel. Every, everyone except for the fourth issue. <laughs> yeah. You know, pretty much every issue has um, some sort of recap. Some, somebody saying, hey, this G. Gordon Godfrey makes a lot of sense. And somebody else saying, no, yeah. he's he's a fascist or whatever. Like, there's a lot of repeats. Those, those are the structural things that bother me about <laughs> the main series. It's just how much of it was recap of things from from previous issues and just kind of how uh, meandering it felt in a lot of ways. So I, it, sure, but we haven't even talked about like what what G. Gordon Godfrey is like specifically saying. Go, and go, go off, King. Go for it. Okay. All right. Well, I just think that super the Superman crossover stuff is at the very end of this. So sure. Okay. I go, okay. Yeah. Let's go more chronologically. <clears throat> yeah. So so. <laughs> So I I just think I think that Glorious Godfrey's role in this is so fascinating because he is playing the he's playing the angle essentially of like if we talk about Snyder's Justice League, he's in the Lex Luthor role, basically, where he's trying to get society to side with with uh, nihilism, I guess, when it comes to the superheroes right and so all all kinds of the, like the things that he says whenever we see him in these early chapters is that heroes are violent they're maladjusted loners they're negative role models and the the interesting thing about that is that um 
you know, when, when people think of grim and gritty comics, right, they think of Frank Miller's stuff. They think of Watchmen. They don't think of the post-crisis DCU in general. They don't think of Legends, certainly. But I feel like there's a lot of that DNA running through this thing just in the way that now by the end it comes around because, you know, we'll get to it. But the way that this all resolves is through hope and all that stuff, you know. But like if you think about some of the content and some of the uh, philosophical ideas about superheroes that we get in the first three quarters of this series – it's very much along the grim and gritty line, you know? It's it's very much things that Johns would escalate later in his career as far as violence and superheroes causing harm even if they're good intent have good intentions, you know, in like catastrophic ways. I feel like before crisis when we think of like the silver age and earlier um a lot of that stuff is is treated very bloodlessly, right? But there's a lot of violence in these issues, and it, it's it's interesting that that's happening while G. Gordon Godfrey is saying all this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, this book goes places. We get the overthrow of the federal government. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Attempted overthrow. Yeah. Um, yeah, politicians being involved has been a thing going back to the golden age, but, but it was always in a, almost like a very wholesome hokey way too, you know? Yeah. Whereas, yeah, this is, this is very, um, I mean, to be fair, the only character that takes any shot at Reagan is Amanda Waller in the suicide squad secret origins issue. Everybody else kind of just goose steps along with Reagan the whole time. Right. Well, I mean, the fact that most of the heroes and stuff, kind of ignore his his order but they're not really doing superman it, is... but, but they're not doing it because because of because they're they're hashtag resistance they're just sure. doing it because they're you know sure yeah. sure no but the fact that there's like a populist uprising you know yeah is, is something that you probably wouldn't have seen much of in pre-crisis sure type yeah. stuff like this is clearly this is clearly uh Ostrander and company reaching for something more serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it's, it's not talked about very often for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, man, side note, I'm flipping through these Superman issues. Uh-huh. They look wild. They look really good. Um, but, but two of them are drawn by burn and this whole series was drawn by burn and, John's John Burton's art is really good. <laughs> um, is I, I want to say that like this book looked really good. Um, to me, this looks as classic as this era of DC gets like this is, he is the epitome of this era of DC artist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so, it's so lockstep with his Superman stuff that it's, um, it is unmistakably, of its time and, and iconic in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I, 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 I wanted to d- dig into this before we got too far in because it's an early tie in, but the, the green lantern core issue, Zach, yeah, you didn't, you didn't it, read that. Me, did you No, tell me what's, oh tell me what's up with that? God, that's <laughs> Brian. It's, it's bananas. <laughs> <laughs> so kill Kilowog is on the NBC nightly news to, for starters, which is just wild. <laughs> How often do you see – that's something I wish comics did more often where they use actual uh, political figures and newscasters and news programs. You know, mm-hmm. Today he would be on Channel 52, right, talking yeah. to, with Bethany Snow or whatever. A considerable amount of this issue is dedicated towards uh, making sure the reader understands that uh, <laughs> Hal is not dating a child. <laughs> He even comes out and says in a panel, like, I have to convince everyone I'm not a child molester, which yeah. is something no innocent man that. has ever said. Uh, <laughs> I'm flipping I'm flipping through it right now. I see a uh, great – a great, a yeah. <laughs> uh, I see – is that is, 
one of the squirrel green lanterns i assume that's chip because i think the other one came later yes i believe that is talking about how his his wife died in the crisis (laughs) yes (laughs) yep yep very sad very sad very Very sad there was also let's call it five to seven pages uh implying but never quite telling you how guy gardner has brain damage yep (laughs) yep Uh, which which that was all uh, crisis crisis tie in stuff yes, I think yes I believe I so I forget I forget exactly what the deal was with that but I remember that being a relatively big deal but then he's like a founding member of the New Justice League brain damage at all yeah yeah even though he spends this issue going nutty on all the other uh, lanterns and making them run some weird obstacle course <laughs> yeah um, but yeah that the the, the Hal Jordan child molester stuff bared mentioning because it's the most and the the writer uh, who was it Engelhart it was Steve Engelhart yep. uh wanted the reader so badly to understand that hey this is all okay yeah. trust me <laughs> like uh, other I'm... other characters are commenting on it too like don't you think it's a little weird ah love finds a way exactly yeah <laughs> I'm I'm very intrigued by this uh this teaser for the next issue <laughs> what was that just, just read it to everyone uh, well, I, I don't I can't read Russian, but uh, there, there's a there's a some 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 words in Russian, and then in parentheses that's that's uh, next Red Lantern question mark for all you capitalistic types and a yeah. a Green Lantern core logo that is red and has the hammer sickle inside. <laughs> they're not talking about Atrocitus either. No. no. Um. So then the other thing uh, I communism is, is the big biggest atrocitus there is Vince. Oh <laughs> god. Uh, <laughs> communism um, was just a red herring. Uh, uh, the movie anyone? Blue? Yeah. All right, anyway, go ahead. Um I haven't seen that actually. Really? Um, oh, yeah. It's oh, I know. Rare blind spot. Really, because people talk about it all the time. As you know, if it, it is. It's fine. People talk about it like it's Blazing Saddles, and it's not. It's not. Okay. Um, Should have picked a less that... problematic favorite there. <laughs> people talk about it like it's Young Frankenstein, <laughs> and it's not. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, Zach, you wanted to talk about the JLA crossover a little bit because you you didn't read that, but you. It looked interesting. It looked yeah. intriguing. It is interesting it's because very it, interesting. It, it tears apart the Justice League of America before they become the Bwahaha Justice League. Okay, so it's like Justice League disassembled. <laughs> yes, but – so a couple of things here. I feel like in today's comics, if a superhero is going to die, one of two things happen. Either it is talked about – so far ahead of time and foreshadowed so much that there's nothing surprising or it happens in like a quasi fake out way where you think there's no way they could possibly be dead and then shockingly they are in this issue in these issues two justice league members die and it's kind of very matter of fact and not like vibe dies in a not all that dramatic way. Would you agree with that, Vince? Yeah, yeah. Like he just you're he's, not, he's fighting and then he's dead. You're not even sure he's dead at the end of the issue. But not, you know, but like, not like not like a like is this going to be a cliffhanger to be resolved? Like no, you almost like, can't you're believe like, oh, he's not dead. I've read enough comics. Like, oh, oh, he got beat up really badly. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And then in the next issue, it's like, oh, by the way, Vibe died. It's yeah. like, it's like somebody coming back to league headquarters and saying, like, oh, hey, just so you know, Vibe died. And he's <laughs> yeah. not going to be here anymore. Yeah, that's basically how it happens. Yeah, it's wild. Um, but I, re- I really do like the Justice League uh, tie-ins because, um, when 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 they say stuff like it's the end of the Justice League of America, like often so often that's really overplayed. But I feel like this is a J.M. DeMatteis uh, series, and I feel like he does a really great job of totally breaking them down across the board. Like Martian Manhunter by the end of this thing is <laughs> he's like going crazy with how much everything is falling apart and he's like, he's lashing out and it's totally 
not out of it doesn't feel like it's out of character it feels like it's totally earned the only thing out of character about martian manhunter in this series is how everybody calls him jj oh yeah <laughs> which is very bizarre to me <laughs> Um, yeah, that's weird. But no, I mean, you figure like the, the the team when this issue starts is Elongated Man. Or this is this these tie-ins rather. Elongated Man, Martian Manhunter, Vibe, Gypsy, Vixen, and Steel. But so that's like the that's like the Detroit Justice League, right? Yes. Yes. By the okay. end of it, uh, they write off the Dibneys as just quote going on a long vacation, <laughs> which is which was, with during... no explanation whatsoever. An issue after uh, he, Ralph says to his Vibe, "I've seen vibrators better than you," essentially, <laughs> which is truly one of the weirdest bits of dialogue I've ever read in a comic. Um, it, him him saying that just got him so horned up that he had to go take a vacation. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so you know. So he's gone. Um, Gypsy is essentially written out to go to go back with her family. Steel is dead. Vibe is dead. Vixen thinks she's done being a superhero. Like, legitimately, the entire team, aside from Martian Manhunter, is is not superheroing at the end of the issue of the, of the tie-ins. It really does break down the whole team, like Vince said. Mm-hmm. Well, it it's really interesting. Um, you know, I think when we talked about crisis, I talked about my checklist of like, is this a crisis? And I, I would not classify Legends as a crisis. I don't know if you guys would agree or disagree with that. I don't I don't think it really fits a crisis, but it does tick a few boxes. Um, one of those being the introduction of or like repurposing of characters. And we get two major things that come out of this series. One that is formed in the middle of the series. And then one that kind of comes together at the very end. And the the first one, it, well, we've already kind of talked about this kind of like leads into the, the Waha Justice League, but the other thing is Suicide Squad. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which uh, plays a big part in this series. And then I, I assume the Ostrander book spins out of this, yeah? Yes. Yeah. Okay. There's a Secret Origins issue that <clears throat> is the final chapter of Legends that leads directly into the Suicide Squad number one. Okay. Yeah. It gives um, you the uh, Amanda Waller and Rick Flagg origins if you're interested in that sort of thing. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting how – in this incarnation of the suicide squad, they don't have brain bombs. They just have wrist bombs. So, <laughs> you know, you might lose a hand. I think <laughs> I thought, Oh, well, if I could just run away and the only thing they could do to me is blow up my hand, but I w- would still be free. I might take the hand. <laughs> so I see why they switch it to brain bombs. Yeah. Significantly lower stakes. <laughs> that one. Um, yeah. I think as long as you're on the, those lines, Zach, I believe there was a new Shazam book, although I think it was a yes, miniseries. It was Shazam The New Beginning. Yep, you would know that, Brian. You probably just read it. I read it uh, like May of last year. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, it's, so that book, it does some really interesting stuff, but it's – so that was supposed to lead into an ongoing series by – uh, shit. I'll look it up in a minute. Regardless, it was supposed to lead into an ongoing series that never happened. Mm. That that miniseries introduces Billy Batson, uh, Black Adam, and Uncle Dudley, and that's pretty much it of the Shazam like supporting cast. With the rest was supposed to be oh Roy Thomas was supposed to do the the. the uh, the ongoing series. Roy Thomas wrote that miniseries. Um, and then, yeah, so that spins out of it also. We also sort of get the Flash status quo changing mm-hmm. a little bit because of Legends and the Wonder Woman status quo too, right? So I wanted to ask about that. Is this is this the first appearance of Wonder Woman post-crisis? Is this like her coming out? No, she had... I believe her series was already running. Isn't this the first in continuity appearance where she's with any, 
she's interacting with anybody that isn't like on Paradise Island, possibly. Yes, it's her. It's her first visit okay. to Man's World, and you can That's tell when. She, yeah, yeah, yeah. When she pops in, she's like, "Well, I didn't plan on revealing myself so early, but uh, yeah." <laughs> DC editorial so, came calling, and so I thought that that was a really interesting thing because last time when we talked about Crisis, we kind of talked about what the status quo post Crisis was, and. And here, you know, in in these books and even in some of the tie-ins, you know, it references the crisis, but clearly they don't remember everything. Things are, are di- you know, their recollection is different if this is, you know, the first time they're being introduced to Wonder Woman, for instance. And, and you know, we see, like, Superman doesn't remember the Legion and and all of that stuff. So I... I it's it's really interesting kind of how the post-crisis landscape was already setting up for all of those weird continuity hitches that would go on to plague everything so much. Now, Vince, refresh my memory because it's been a long time since I read the beginning. You've read all of the um, the Wonder Woman series post the Perez series, right? Oh, absolutely. So in I've that... every Woman issue. In that series, is was Wonder Woman around before this in continuity but she's been gone for a long time well didn't we just answer that what what are you asking me what i mean is because you know everybody ref- like superman at one point says like hey look it's wonder woman <laughs> but she's yeah. supposedly just revealing herself so was she like part of the dc universe many many years ago and then it's been away from the man's world for a long time and this is her reintroduction or is this the legitimate first time she's part of the man's world uh well it, it's complicated because at the time if you were reading Perez's run I'm fairly certain I'm fairly oh man I'm fairly certain it started out with them with her mostly sticking to Paradise Island and then this this would be her first time joining the heroes on man's world but i'm but i'm sure there have been stories written since that placed her meeting you know superman and batman before meeting everybody you know what i'm saying right like like, yeah the reason i'm asking that is because so i'm reading jsa right now and there is in jsa hippolyta is a member of the team early on and I know that eventually it became, well, Diana's first interaction with Man's World came after Crisis, but Hippolyta was around in the Golden Age. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's definitely. Yeah. We've talked about that on the show before where like some of those. Oh, so I see what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, some of those uh, those Golden Age um, Wonder Woman stories have been repurpose yeah retconned to say that stories yeah yes yeah so that that's what i was asking was like okay i get it yeah yeah you know so so they recognize the wonder woman visage but not necessarily the diana of themiscira yeah 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 it's it's wild that wonder woman i'm like now wonder woman is i mean it's part of the trinity right she's considered the most imp- the most important female character in DC Comics and has been for quite some time. It's amazing to me that they remade... Uh, have you heard of Punchline? <laughs> yeah. Fair-, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. But it's amazing to me that they basically remade the entire DC universe and thought, like, let's do this without Wonder Woman for a while. In continuity. Not, not in the publishing line, but, you know, it's just... Yeah. It's fascinating right. to me. Well, it is like... In- it strikes me, like, how soon after crisis this is like that superman crossover starts with superman number three which i know they had done the man of steel miniseries before that so i know it wasn't just like three months after but that's still you know this is still so early in that post-crisis landscape which is really interesting Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely we're gonna get a bunch of tweets the saying that I'm full of shit too, by the way, about <laughs> how I answered that question to you. That's all right. Uh, well, let's, let's take a break and when we come back. We'll discuss more of the tie-ins and sort of the overall tone of legend. So stay tuned. 
Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. All right, Vince, is now an appropriate time to talk about the Superman uh, tie-ins? Well, Greg, okay, Greg Matasevich is going to get mad at us if we don't talk about the Alan Moore Phantom Stranger issue, too. Okay, all right, well, go off on that first. You know what, here's what we'll do. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about Warlord, and then we'll talk about Superman, okay? <laughs> okay. All right. I'm sorry. I just think, like, why breeze past this when no, this is No, no, our... sure, sure. Okay. So I – you guys read – wait, Zach, you didn't read the – No, I didn't read this. I, I thought about it. Moore, I thought man. about it. I, I Yeah, but it was also preceded by 30 other pages of not Alan Moore, so uh, – <laughs> um... Yeah. Um. But I I think it's interesting because they give you a bunch of different um, origins. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm oh, also fan- pretty familiar with some of this stuff just from <coughs> being in comics and absorbing it for the last decade. Sure. Um, like, isn't this where, like, the Judas origin comes from? Yes. And yes. Yeah, yep. so. Yeah, so you get it. Yeah. But I think it's worth it's worth mentioning because um, it's it's fun to think that you know, I think there's uh, four or five different – four different Phantom four different Stranger. Stories, yeah. Yeah. Origin – quote-unquote origin stories in this thing. And yet the one that every writer afterwards or at least anyone that I'm aware of references is always the Alan Moore one. <laughs> and I wonder if that's – I wonder if that's because it was intended to be the real origin or if it's just freaking Alan Moore – Right. And and people respect him so much, you know. Um, do, do you guys have any insight on that? I, I think it's probably more just that it's Alan Moore, because I don't think. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to choose my words carefully here. I don't think this is the best Alan Moore story out there. I think it's fine. I think it's OK. I think that the. While I appreciate the idea of doing this Phantom Stranger book with these different origins, I think some of them are not are just not very good, and so it sort of muddles that concept. And I think by the time you get to the Alan Moore story, your head is sort of swimming with all these different Phantom Stranger origins. Um, I, I don't know. You I, you probably disagree with me strongly on this, Vince. Well, I, I just think – I think if you toss the other ones out and just focus on the Alan Moore one, I, I think it is really good. I don't think – I don't think it's one of his best works, but I think it's it's probably one of the most interesting Phantom Stranger things oh, I've sure. ever read. I, sure, I yeah. haven't read a lot of it, but um, – Wait a minute. Are you discounting Trinity of Sin? <laughs> uh, yeah, I quit pretty early into that one. Um, I prefer Trinity of Skin, you sick pervert. <laughs> Wow. Okay. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's way to call me out in front of everybody here. <laughs> this, yeah. uh, th- this does remind me with the Phantom Stranger stuff. I, I did want to talk about like the weird religious overtones of legend. Mm-hmm. You mean how there it begins and ends with, with biblical verses? <laughs> that um, I get big Job vibes from the Dark Side Phantom Stranger yep. Come interactions. On. And I don't mean uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't mean uh, the man Bees? in the three thousand dollar suit. Yeah. Bees, a man called Gob. Yeah, but are, but are we good? Yeah, that's a that's a late one. That's no good. That's not a good. That's bad. The rest of it. As in, go buy but us a coffee. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we demand to be taken seriously. Um. Yeah, you're right, Zach. There's a lot of that. And and there's a lot of earnest stuff and there is a lot of, of 
you know, the, the evangelical undertones with G Gordon Godfrey too, which I believe, I believe at one point he is referred to as that, that evangelical screamer or something like that. I I don't know if they meant it in the evangelical uh, in a religious sense or just, oh, like I know. A, you know, yeah, I, I know. I, it's kind of left vague though. You don't, it could, they could mean it either way. It's, it's just, rec- it's recalling that sort of proselytizing. Yes. Yeah. Um, the Joe Orlando art on the Phantom Stranger story is really good too. It's very, it's very, you know, eighties DC, uh, vertigo adjacent type stuff. It fits in that world pretty well. Um, so I think I think that you know anybody interested in reading Alan Moore's DC stuff should should take a peek at that, even though it's not one of the m- most notable things he's ever done. Um, yeah, I guess. Uh, I mean, we don't have to talk too much about Warlord. I think we kind of covered, you know the reason why it exists and not much really comes out of it. Um, And this is after Mike Grell has left the warlord book mm -hmm. and it gets really weird and sort of rudderless at this point. Uh, There's a whole story that we get a a bit of here where basically warlord is um, like, he basically uh, is, tricked into falling in love with a new person because of a necklace and there's a lot of that in this unfortunately i yeah. i did not care for these warlord issues very much no not really they they're pretty horny if you like oh, that sort of thing but... <laughs> travis morgan has a polycule which we've <laughs> which we've most recently seen in uh bendis's young justice yes. oddly enough yes uh, everybody on uh, Skatarsis is wearing some sort of loincloth. Yeah. And uh, some of them are very hairy and just <laughs> make for some weird visuals. Yeah. There's there's a lot – a lot of that stuff is going to need to be pulled out of crevices by the end of <laughs> yes <laughs> fights and things, you know? Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's get to these Titanic issues of Superman-related – comics because these are wild these are so first of all i have to say like one of the things that i think modern comics are very bad at is tricking you i think oftentimes the writers make very clear what they're trying to do and i don't mean in terms of like a an in-story twist i mean in terms of like what the overall arc of it like when when you find out so-and-so is writing an arc of justice league it's almost always told to you exactly what that arc is going to be. Well, in this arc, the Justice League does X, Y, and Z. The Superman arc takes such a wild turn. Is it? Is it after? Is it the end of the first issue, Vince? Or is uh, it the end of the second issue? The end at the end of the first issue, Superman gets knocked into the fire pits of apocalypse. Yeah, it was not that one. So at the end of the second issue, so you you basically in the end, the first issue Superman is is on apocalypse. He he gets kind of uh he, he gets knocked around, he's thrown into the fire pits. In the second issue, he's sort of conscribed into the revolution on apocalypse and is going to be like the savior of apocalypse. He's going to he's going to bring them out of dark under dark side's thumb and they're going to they're going to take over the place. At the end of that issue, it turns out Psyche, he's actually been a double agent working for Darkseid. And that reveal is done so well. Do you agree, Vince? Oh, absolutely. It's a shocking yeah. moment in the comic. Absolutely shocking. And um and just really, really good. And then the third issue is about um, Light Ray and Orion going to Apocalypse to try and save Superman, and they essentially identity crisis him at the end of it. Yeah. They mind wipe him so he doesn't remember being the cause of the death of all of these characters because yeah. basically he doesn't he doesn't deserve that. It is like he's he's too good for guilt. 
It's kind of yeah, what Ori- Orion, Orion says that that's my guilt to bear because that's the kind of person I am and the kind of person that Superman is is too good to be too good to bear this tragedy. Yeah. Which I think is really uh, – I I mean in one – if you read that one way, that can be kind of corny and contrived. But if you read it as like, you know, superhero myth and legends, which is what – legend is legends is built around that i really buy that you know yeah (laughs) it's it's yet another angle to this uh, attempting to take down a legend and somebody preserving the legend not the not the life of the person the legend behind them right and uh and it's just wild yeah that second issue he's like making out with amazing grace yes and like, like they're they're they're, you know, five seconds from from going downtown, you know. And uh, oh, is this where the Superman porno thing comes in? Yeah. With Big Barda. It's not, but it's not, but it might as well be. <laughs> yeah, it's it's awful close. Like they're they're ready to get down, and she's like, "Later, my love." And, yeah. and I'm like, "What is going on?" Uh, so th- there are two issues within the Legends event where weird stuff happens that I think just has to be chalked up to editorial was too busy to notice and make the correction. The first one, we haven't talked about it at all. It's it's in a Detective Comics issue that acts as, yeah. I think it's chapter two, where there's a totally yep. different G. Gordon Godfrey. Like, looks looks nothing like the character from the rest of the books. He's he looks fat. like a young... Newt Gingrich. Yes. Like, he's fatter. He's kind of balding. He's nothing at all like that. In this issue, in the third issue, Vince, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't Amazing Grace appear to be in two places at once? I don't remember noticing that. (laughs) I want want to say that she is talking to, like, Light Ray and Orion, like, basically in the trenches of the fight. And then we go back, and Darkseid is still holding her by the throat, which he was doing earlier in the issue. Oh. <laughs> um, which, again, I, I just I chalk up to this was DC trying to do this. I mean, DC hadn't done an event like this all that many times before this. So I think it's just, you know, just an editorial fuck up there. But uh, I did find that interesting. But, yeah, these Superman issues are, are really good. Uh, Zach, I would... Highly recommend you making the time to read these if you got, I'll if check, you got the time. I'll I'll check them out. They look good. Yeah, I uh, I honestly didn't realize that both of you were going to read all of the tie-ins. So uh, I wasn't thanks pl- for uh, good. Thanks for uh, <laughs> leaving me red-assed in front of the whole <laughs> okay. listenership. All right. Well, first of all, check the group chat. That's number you. One. When we talked, when we talked, you said I'm going to at least read the Cosmic Boy stuff. I don't know what else I'll read. And, and uh, then I said in the group chat, "Oh look, DC Universe has this all organized in one place. I think I'm going to read everything." Well, you said I think. <laughs> I, I think I was pretty clear with my intention there, Zach. Zach, however, however you however you spent the rest of your time was much better than whatever we did. I'm sure. Probably. Um, and we're not going to do that. For, I'm not going to do that for Millennium anyway. Um, no, that's a 45 issue uh, <laughs> yeah. event. So we'll, we'll yeah. talk about that. I, but I will say one thing I do kind of want to do with these things, with the, these read throughs, is see how the events hold up without reading tie ins in some cases. Mm-hmm. Because I do think that is an interesting exercise with these books. Yeah. Whether or not they tell a complete full story with the main series or if you feel like things are missing, which I, I don't, I, I see the gaps where like there's that, the bit in, um, I don't remember which issue of legends it was, but where blue beetle is fighting Kronos and he runs off to go find him. And I, I said to myself, ah, this is where the blue beetle tie in happens. And, <laughs> and, and there was a bit, you know, where after the Superman thing, tie ins hmm. have happened, Superman, you know, says, Oh, I was on apocalypse. And I was like, okay, there, there was probably a story there yep. that does not seem to play into these events very much at all. Um, 
at, at least you know i understand thematically it may but it, it doesn't affect the story within legends proper mm-hmm. right. um, so i i actually found legends to be a, a fairly satisfying standalone story on its own without the tie-ins yeah i don't think anything from any tie-in is needed to understand the main story at all. I think, like Vince said, I think it highlights sort of how thorough Darkseid's plan was, which is one benefit of the tie-ins. And the other benefit of it is just it helps you to understand, I think, the status quo going forward better. Like, I think that under seeing the Justice League of America fall apart makes you understand why there was a need for the Bwahaha Justice League. Even though mm-hmm. it's ob- it's pretty clear as to sort of what like you see them form and 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 John John Jones says like, well, there is no JLA anymore. So that's all you really need, but it gives you a nice understanding of why that's happening. Sure. Sure. And I, that also kind of does undermine my goal of kind of uh coming in I guess um without that knowledge of the tie-ins when I actually already have absorbed the knowledge of those tie-ins already. Like Mm -hmm. I I came into this series understanding already that it was the transition from that justice league to this justice league. So yeah, yeah, I I probably, I can't even fully simulate that, but also I'm not going to always make myself read, uh, no, yeah. Like I said, part of this was that DC Universe did a really nice job of just laying everything out. So they made... did. It, it's nice. Uh, let's uh, plug DC Universe. Listen to these shells here. Do you disagree, Vince? No, I'm joking about you being shells for DC. Uh, it was laid out really nice. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh,. It'll be interesting when we get to things like Infinite Crisis, where they have miniseries rather than rather than you know they do have some issue tie-ins that run through the series that were going on at the time, but when they have dedicated miniseries alongside, you know, or like Final Crisis when you have the Superman Beyond type stuff, um, are those gonna? I mean, I'm definitely gonna read them, but are they gonna feel? more essential than than issues that are mid-series or not i don't know this this actually the layout and the structure of this series reminded me a lot of final crisis Mm. with the way the tie-ins were handled um and also even kind of tonally a little bit you know they're both dark side stories i think we even see Glorious Godfrey doing this same shtick at the beginning of Final Crisis a little bit. I may I may be mistaken, but I kind of think we do. Um, I mean, I told you before. I think this feels very Morrisonian in a lot of ways. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, there you go. You know. Um, yeah. Um, okay, so are we ready to talk about the resolution of this? Sure, go for it. Okay, so one of the things about this event that that you know, the longer this goes on, we'll probably see less and less is that Batman is hardly a part of it. Right. He kind of, he kind of gets the, the, you know, the Batman and the detective comics tie in are the first two chapters of this thing. And then he and Jason, Jason Todd is Robin at the time. And he and Jason have a, a, a mini story that runs through the main series, but you really only see them for, you know, a page or two here and there. They don't have big roles in this thing. Uh, and I think the longer this goes on, the, the bigger Batman's role is going to get just because that's what's happened to Batman over the years as a property. Um, but he was not an integral part of this until the end, and it came time to sort of save the day. And Jason Todd and Billy Batson and the children of the world... Uh, Lead them out. Lead the humans out of the darkness in yeah. this one. Uh, the 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 vision of a superhero through the eyes of a child is what saves the day here, basically. And uh, Darkseid is basically like, 
well played. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you got you got me. I, I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you optimistic kids. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And uh and I I think that's a pretty nice sentiment to end on. I really like you know, a philosophical story gets a more philosophical ending. And I like that you know, coming after crisis, it didn't have to be end of the world type stakes. It didn't have to be a, an incredibly dramatic cataclysmic conclusion. It's just as simple as, uh, you know, the kids will always believe in, in costumed heroes. And Jason Todd gets beat up very early in this thing. And, and when he shows up at the end, he's like, Covered in welts and casts yep. and yeah, he's he looks like shit. And uh, oh yeah, and and uh, G Gordon Godfrey slaps uh, Billy, yeah. Billy Batson's little friend. That's yeah. right. <laughs> oh yeah. Whenever I hear the phrase "little friend," I think of an episode of Beavis and Butthead when they're watching <laughs> the the Man Eater video by Hall and Oates. And when Oates first appears, he goes, look, Beavitz, this is little friend. It's <laughs> <laughs> literally the first thing I think of every time I hear the phrase little friend. <laughs> uh, which is great. Um, but yeah, no, uh, this, this story is really good. And I think that one of the underrated parts of it is that it, it is such a positive story in a way that doesn't Oh, I think sometimes these stories can come off as very cloying and cheesy, and I don't think this story does that. But it doesn't. It also doesn't sacrifice the heart at all. Like the, there's a lot of heart in this story. In almost every tie-in, there's something that is legitimate. That is a hero acting legitimately heroic, going outside or above themselves for the good of somebody else. And I think that oftentimes now comic events, not comics in general, but comic events have to be all about the sizzle. And so you don't get a lot of reminders of why you should be rooting for these heroes. Like as much as I enjoyed something like Dark Knight's Metal, I don't know if there's a single part in that story that makes you like that reaffirms your belief in Batman or in a superhero of, of any of those heroes. It's an action movie. It's not a morality play. And I think comics needs more of the morality plays again. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Thank you, buddy. Zach, yeah, Zach, you got anything to add? No, I agree. I think, yeah, it's good. All right, well, uh, so the next time you'll hear from us, we will be discussing the Millennium event. Uh, unfortunately, this is not on uh, DC Universe. It'll be a little bit harder to read along, but hopefully you guys have these issues in singles or whatever and will be joining us. And uh, are we, do we establish now so that Zach doesn't get mad at me on the show next week? Are we just going to read the uh, the eight-issue miniseries for this one? That's I'm all. Reading, that's I'm all reading I'm everything. He's going to show us yeah. up. He's going to come. I'm going to say, I'm going to say out. I'm only reading the, the main series and then I'm going to come and be like, well, actually. Um. <laughs> so I'm going to state I'm going, my intention is just to read the main series. But if there's a tie in or two that looks interesting that I have access to, I might read those too. That's that's exactly what he said last time. Zach, don't listen to him. And then I clarified it in a private message to my two buds. Zach, I will guarantee you I'm only going to read the eight issues because I'm a man of my word. Please. You read 400 you. comics a day. You're going to accidentally read all the tie-ins <laughs> because it has happened to be part of one of your bullshit read-throughs you're doing right now. <laughs> yep. uh, no, Zach, a ge gentleman's word. I believe you. Thanks. Well, Never lied. <laughs> Uh, well, never lie. He's never been horny on Maine. <laughs> never. He's never had a problematic fave. That's going from a Twitter conversation he and I had earlier this week. I mean, farmers <laughs> only. Farmers only huh? conversation. Sorry. Who's huh? your problematic fave? No, no. He I... he was mad. At, he he subtweeted you and me 
because Evangeline Lilly is sub uh, sub farmed sub us. sub farmed us. Uh, subtractor. It's called it's called tractoring when you chat on uh, Farmers Only. So he he subtractored us uh, about Evangeline Lilly not uh, quarantining, and basically said because yes. because we like lost we're that this reflects poorly on us. And sure. I responded sure. and then I tractored him and said because you have no problematic faves and he said I know it's unlikely but it's true or something like that. So. <laughs> I said I've ne- I know it's unlikely, but I've never taken an L. Yeah, <laughs> I've never simped. I'm not. I'm not looking at a Jorge Jimenez drawing of punchline right now. <laughs> so, even though uh, Vince is not on Twitter, our show is now on Twitter at DC Three Cast. Uh, for those that have already followed, thank you. We've we've been trying to post some fun stuff. We had some uh, had some some humor. Uh, some humorous takes on uh, some legend stuff this weekend, and hopefully you'll uh, enjoy that. You can still find two thirds of us individually on Twitter as well. I am at Brian Needs a Nap, and I am at Wilker Fox. If you need to find Vince, if you're not on Farmers Only, and we understand Farmers Only is a pre- it's a pretty elite uh, elite group of people there, so not everybody can city fo- city folks don't city. Fo- just I was don't just gonna it. say city folks just don't understand. So if you have to get in touch with him. Uh, you can find him vigorously defending Hal Jordan's valor in his uh, no, in his romantic no. relationships, who uh, all over the 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 hallowed halls of Farmers Only. No. Uh, well, thanks for joining us, folks. If if we learned anything, it's that uh, it's that we're all legends in our own right. So, take care, and we'll see you next time. Vince, (laughs) R.I.P. The return of Vince Ostrowski.